So thank, thank you to uh, several folks who were very adapted, adaptive, who were planning on coming in person today. Uh, conditions occurred that uh, would have made that challenging. Um, so a few weeks ago after, after Zazen, I talked about a chant that we did um, and I wanted to expand on my words that day. So the springboard for this was in the Loving Kindness Sutra, or what's called the Metta Sutta. And the, the two lines in particular that I want to look at are, let no one deceive another, nor despise any being in any state. And then the very next line, let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another. So let no, let no one deceive another, nor despise any being in any state. Let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another. Uh, so with, with the first line, let no one deceive another nor despise any being in any state. My understanding of this is, my experience of this is not to despise any being in any state that, uh, see, whatever the expression they are showing, right? So, for example, there may someone may be behaving in a way that we don't like that irritates us. Maybe they're being silly. Maybe they're being unskillful. Whatever they're doing, we may have a, re a, a negative reaction to. And that also means it's, it's surprising the number of people I've talked to over the years who um, are angry with people when they're happy. There's this sense of envy is aroused and they find someone's happiness just so irritating and so painful that, that they, uh, they actually hate, that they feel a lot of anger and, and hatred towards the person. And sometimes it may be, maybe they're just happy by themselves or maybe they're in a relationship, they see two people in a relationship that are happy together and they want that and that anger arises, that jealousy, that envy arises. So our, our ability to be irritated, to be angry, kind of knows no bounds. It's boundless in a way. You know, we, can, we can be irritated by almost anything, positive, negative, or neutral. And when we say, let no one despise any being in any state, that also includes 
no matter what state we are in. So uh, a couple of very easy examples are uh, schadenfreude, taking pleasure in the misfortune of others. Right? That's actually a, that's actually a, a form of it's a form of despite. It also means if we are experiencing negative emotions, we have to take extra care not to despise others. So no matter what happens, it's really on us. It's really on us to tend our own garden and to take care of our practice and, and not to continue a samsaric cycle of negative emotions. When we say, let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another. Right? So this is, this is uh, about as clear a definition of hate as there is. And hate is, how I understand hate is when we can do anything to anyone, when we are willing to deprive others of the most basic human rights, and by which I mean breathing, living, at its very base level. And it can be a lot more subtle. It can be a lot more subtle than that. We're seeing it um, in some of the, the bills that are being passed in some of the states right now. It is to deny people some very basic liberties. This hatred is the is the, the second of the three what we call the three poisons. There's greed, hate, and delusion or aversion. So these are the these are the the three things that keep us from liberation. And can impinge on the liberation of others. So these these um, these three poisons are really the antithesis of the Brahma Viharas, the heavenly abodes, which are loving kindness, compassion, uh, equanimity, and sympathetic joy. So this is so hate is really kind of. Um, It's really like the, the polar opposite of loving kindness. And ironically, so all of the three poisons, what they, what they do is uh, especially hate, but also greed and delusion is it serves to separate us. It serves to create an, uh, an artificial barrier between us 
and those around us and the world around us. So in our natural state, there are no barriers. We're just so, we're so connected. But as soon as we, as soon as we put that, that idea up or that action up of, of um, anger or hatred, that is where the separation lies. And not only the separation, but the danger. Because when we hate, we can do anything. And so in um, one of the most over overquoted lines of the entire Brahma, of the entire uh, Dhammapada, which I'm going to continue overquoting, says hatred, uh, hatred never ends through hatred. By non-hate alone does it end. This is an ancient truth. So normally, the word love is put in where non where non-hate is. So the what you see in most translations is hatred never ends through hatred. By love alone does it end. This is an ancient truth. And my understanding is that the accurate the, the uh, accurate translation is non-hate, which is so much more nuanced and gives us a stepping stone, really. So by refraining from, from hate actually gives us the ability to pause. There is a great story about this that this young Pakistani activist, Malala, which I'm sure most folks know her. She was shot in the face by the Taliban some years ago. And she's a peace activist. And the night that she was shot, the Taliban came in to her home and were threatening, threatening everyone. And she, and she said, she had the thought, they were really being, being bullied in their own home, her family was. She thought, should, you know, should I hit these guys? And, and then she said that the very next thought was, no, because if I act on this, I'm going to be no different than they are. I'm going to be doing the exact same thing that they have been doing. which is really remarkable because I think she was 14 or 15 when this event happened. So I had the presence of mind to refrain from the hate. And when we are caught up in anger, when we're caught up in hate, this is one of the key things for us to remember in our practice is when we're caught up in the negative emotions, any of the negative emotions, but especially hate, because hate is so powerful, is that when we're caught up in this intense emotion, there are no options. It's uh, psychology, I think it's referred to as like an emotional hijacking. So we're no longer in possession of our faculties. To an extent. So by taking this 
by taking the step and the attitude of refraining from hate, that, that pulls the fuel away from the fire. That doesn't mean that we have to love. Right? That, that, uh, that actually requires a distinction that is developed over time. But in that moment, if we can just refrain from hate, that goes such a long way. Such a long way. So it's a conscious way of saying, I'm going to interrupt this karmic cycle. So we begin practicing, really is what we're doing, is we're practicing. We're laying the groundwork for love to be present. There's a famous saying, I don't remember who, but they said, no matter what you do, you can't make me hate you. And that's such amazing generosity just to be able to say, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna hate you. And a further refinement of that is this refraining from hate doesn't mean that we have to be friends or buddies with this person. This is a clarity of mind that says, I don't hate you. And it's not good for me to be around you. It's probably not good for either of us to be around each other, at least right now. So that's that recognizing of that. Healthy recognition of not only what the situation needs, but what we need as well. And, uh, <coughs> pardon me. In the wildland firefighting community, they have a saying, and this, this comes from Cal Fire out in California, when in doubt, chicken out. When in doubt, chicken out. So this is, this is really applicable. Like when, when in doubt, when, when we're in a, a really tense situation, you know, we can, we can chicken out of exchanging anger or hatred. We don't have to accept every invitation to dance. And another refinement is um, from the wonderful recovery tradition where there's the saying, name it, don't blame it. So, so if we can, if we can name what's happening, if we can say that you know, this, this behavior that's being exhibited is not okay. 
and I'm not going to blame you for my for my reaction. Or if there's something we're holding on to, which is just all too human, hold on to grudges and grievances by naming it and not blaming it, we actually take back some of our power. Enables us to take a step back. And this is something that takes, that takes time, both time and practice. So an analogy might be cooking soybeans. Whenever you're making sesame soybeans, <clears throat> you have to soak the beans for 24 hours. Or at the very least overnight. They're, they are so hard. These beans are so hard that you have to soak them for at least 12 hours before you can begin cooking them. And even then, if you put them in a regular pot and cook them, It'll take a long time for that water to get in. So this, this soft way of refraining from hate is actually just soaking that in, that, that restraint, soaking in that restraint. And then when you want to finish off the sesame soybeans or the, the so cooking the soybeans, you put them in a pressure cooker and you, and you cook them for a couple of hours. And the pressure is not real intense. For a pressure cooker, it is 10 or 15 pounds, but not like a car tire kind of intense or oxygen cylinder intense. But you cook them under pressure to really, to get that moisture all the way in, to finish cooking. And this pressure doesn't need to be anything artificial for us. We don't have to bear down and say, uh, gotta forgive, gotta forgive, gotta forgive, gotta refrain, gotta refrain, gotta refrain, gotta love, gotta love, gotta love. This pressure that I'm referring to is just the act of coming and sitting zazen and allowing whatever arises to arise and then coming back to the breath. And that requires this, 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 the, the pressure requires care. It requires attention. One time at Tassar, they were making sesame soybeans. And there was a class that day. The kitchen crew came into the class because the kitchen crew comes to the class. And when they got back, uh, when the, uh, they stay for X amount of time, and then they go back to the kitchen to, to resume 
worked. And when they went back to the kitchen, they found that the pressure cooker had exploded and there were sesame soybeans all over the wall. So when we're actively sitting, we can't be careless. We can't be careless with our intentions. We can't be, it takes a lot of care and a lot of attention to, to continue to soften. And again, it doesn't mean that uh, we have uh, what I've heard called idiot compassion, you know, where, where we become a doormat and we just let people walk all over us and say, oh, you know, I'm just going to forgive them and so on. What that actually means is taking responsibility for our practice, knowing what's ours, taking care of that, tending to that. While at the same time, allowing what next to arise, the, what is next to arise. So we're make, we make space through this restraint. We make space through this, through this radical act of nonviolence. And by this stepping back, we realize that we have more options. We have more options on how we choose to respond rather than, rather than react. A reaction is rarely an appropriate response. A reaction is, tends to be karmic in nature. And we're just acting, we're just acting out again, which is what the word means. We're just acting out again. And a response, you know, being able to see what's needed, or if we can't see, see what's needed, to say, I don't know what's needed. But I know a reaction is not going to help. It's like the difficulty that people often experience when someone has lost a loved one. And... and People are signing a card and there are all these well-meaning, well-intended thoughts that are expressed, you know, with, with a lot of love. And one time I, I, I saw one, the card where someone had written, I'm so sorry for your loss and I don't know what to say. So I'm going to end with um, another line from the, from the Dhammapada, different chapter. It is easy to do what is not good and things that harm oneself. It is very difficult to do things beneficial and good. Evil is done by oneself alone, by oneself is one defiled. Evil is avoided by oneself. By oneself alone is one purified. Purity and impurity depend on oneself. 
No one can purify another. So please, don't throw anyone out of your heart. Okay. Uh, just want to see if anyone has any questions or comments.